a new mini-series here, a uh, four-week series uh, called Made New, and it's all themed around Easter, and uh, this, this message today gets us kicked off. So uh, would somebody mind bringing the house lights up for a second? Thanks, Charlie. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, this whole idea of what, what the resurrection has done, and uh, I mean, you could spend a whole series just on that. We could probably do that endless days. Uh, just talking about the uh, all the ramifications of the resurrection. Uh, um, so, but but we're doing four weeks here, and this one kind of gets us sets the tone. Um, but uh, the the effects of the resurrection just uh, have reverberated throughout history. Uh, Jesus's defeat of sin and death has it has changed everything. The the same power too, though, that raised Jesus from the dead, it's available to us as well. And many people don't know that, and we want to talk about today that the power to change our lives, the power to be renewed, uh, is what's available because of the resurrection of Jesus. And the key, though, the key to this transforming power is our faith in Christ, okay? You think about it like your faith in Christ is what makes that available to you, all right? So, so new life is given to us when we place our faith, hope, and trust in the work of Jesus Christ. But the thing is, uh, in order for there to be new life, there had to first be a death, okay? Um, now, when you think about it, there's many times when death uh, makes it possible for new life to occur. Um, in agriculture, some fertilizers are made up of dead and decaying material and are used by farmers so that it can nourish and grow new crops, um, Fire caused by lightning may scorch a section of land and even burn a forest, but it does create conditions where new life can actually spring up, if you think about it. The leaves on trees that die in winter make way for spring and an abundance of new life. All this to say that there needed to be a death so that we could experience new life. Now, Easter morning began with ashes, if you will. The Messiah was dead. Jesus had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and had been betrayed by one of his own friends, and he was beaten. And after an unfair trial, he was sentenced to death by crucifixion, and he hung between two thieves on a cross. Well, within hours, Jesus breathed his last and died, and with him died the hopes and dreams of those who followed him. They believed he was the one who would usher in the kingdom of God and make all things right, but now they mourned the loss of their friend. Jesus' body was taken down from the cross and laid inside of a cold, dark tomb. It seemed like the end. It felt so final for those people. But no one could see that it was really just the beginning. Three days went by, and Jesus' disciples felt as though any hope they had was buried behind that stone. But then Sunday came. Would you stand for me as we read from the Gospel of Matthew this morning? Matthew 28, 1 to 10. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb, and with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that when we put our faith in him, it brings new life to us. And so, Lord, we just are so thankful as we just reflect upon this passage this morning, what the resurrection means for us. And God, we, we just commit this time to you. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would come and uh, just illuminate the word of God for us. Help us to understand it. Help us to, to really take it in and, uh, and really believe what it says. And Father, we also just want to pray as a church family now, we want to lift up anyone in our church who is struggling right now. Uh, maybe their health uh, is waning. Maybe they're fighting disease. We pray, God, that your spirit would, um, would heal them. And we pray, God, um, for your sustaining grace on those who uh, in our midst may be struggling spiritually right now to follow Jesus. And God, I also just pray those who might be seeking, Lord, that you would unveil their eyes to show them who Jesus really is. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we just read, the Bible tells us that at dawn, two women named Mary traveled to Jesus' grave. Other places in the Scripture tell us that these women came to anoint his body for burial. And suddenly, though, an earthquake shook the ground as an angel of the Lord appeared and rolled the stone away from the tomb entrance there. And the appearance of these angels and their clothing was shocking, like lightning and bright white. And the guards who were watching over the grave were terrified, as were the women. So they're standing there afraid. But you know what word the angels spoke? Like so many times, nearly 365 times, you hear an angel say these words. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, right? Um, And it's important for us to realize that Easter is not a time for fear. It's a time for joy. It's a time for joy. And though the women had come to care for Jesus' lifeless body, he was not there. The tomb was empty, and he has risen. The, The women ran off to find the other disciples, right? No longer filled with fear, but filled with joy. And I think that's something that we need to capture here as we as we move along this morning here. And that is just this, that the resurrection of Jesus, it confronts our fears and offers us joy. 
and offers us joy. You know, we live, we live in a world where it's easy to find ourselves in a similar situation that these women did. Any given Sunday, uh, people um, going about their lives or even coming to church uh, are filled with anxiety and fear. Things that, that are going on in their lives that are just causing them um, great concern. And so they may be fearful that their lives will never change, that their circumstances won't change. They may be fearful that their marriage cannot be saved or that that diagnosis is a foregone conclusion. And many people live lives just dominated by anxiety and fear. And maybe this morning, uh, the first thing you need to hear is the words of the angels. Don't be afraid. Because if you press in to know who Jesus is, he will help you with that fear. He will give you the grace that you need. So Easter confronts our fears. The empty tomb reveals the mighty power of God that was not just a reality for Jesus then, but is a reality for us today. And I think that's the thing is that you may see this as some ancient story, but God is making people new every day, every day through that same resurrection power. And it's this morning that I want you to get what that really means. Because the big idea today is really just, you know, that faith in Christ makes us new. And we hope that if you have not put your faith in him, that you would, that you would, and you would experience the new life that Christ promises. So Easter is really meant to be a source of great joy for believers. Uh, We're filled with joy because the resurrection power is made available to make everything new. Think about this. The empty tomb. This was kind of fun at the egg program yesterday. Uh, you get to the very end when you're doing the resurrection eggs, and there were 12 of them, and then the, and the, the last one's empty, right? The last egg is empty, and you're like, you know, there's no candy in there. There's, no, there's not a, a, a symbol or anything. And then, you know, the message is that, well, this stands for the empty tomb. Jesus is no longer there, right? And what we need to understand uh, as adults is that empty That empty tomb means that your past does not have to determine your future. The empty tomb means that your hope for the future can be made new. The empty tomb means that your life can be made new, and you need to understand that. Joy is a byproduct of hope. We've been talking about this fear being replaced with with, uh, joy. Well, joy is just that. Like I said, it's a byproduct of hope. Hope that knowing that Jesus indeed has risen from the grave. And then through our belief in him, that there's nothing too difficult for God. There's nothing impossible for him. I mean, if God can raise somebody from the dead, I mean, is anything too difficult for him? Absolutely not. And so when you have that kind of hope, and Christian hope is just this, it's, it's an assurance. It's different than kind of like wishing, Right? Uh, Christian hope is, 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 a, is a certain thing, right? And so when you're certain and you know that Christ has risen from the grave and that you know that because of that, that all the implications are that then you too can have new life in Jesus Christ and you can have a relationship with God, 
Um, It just gives you hope, which leads to joy. When you have no hope, it's nearly impossible to have joy, isn't it? But Christ came that we might have hope. Amen? So no matter where you find yourself today, the empty tomb pushes back, can push back for you against any fear, and it reminds us that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I mean, I know life is difficult here, and, and if you read your Bible, you realize it's because sin uh, is all around us and uh, is, is our own problem, is, and it has affected all of humanity and literally um, the universe. And uh, so we're, we're seeing the effects of sin. There's still beauty, though, right? God's creation is still good, but it is marred. And so uh, as, a, as Christians, we, we, uh, we look forward to, as we, we sung about one of those verses about his return, right? Christ's return. Now, when you come to learn about the resurrection of Jesus and that com- what comes with it is uh, the potential for to be made new and a new life, uh, we need to know what a proper response would be to that knowledge. In other words, if I, if I understand and come to be convinced of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then what would be a proper response to it? Well, um, it would be a response of faith. The proper response to Jesus' resurrection is faith. Now, we have all kinds of faith and all kinds of things. We're not talking about just any kind of faith. We're not even talking about faith in faith, uh, which is actually a thing. Um, but the kind of faith that the Bible speaks about is a deep trust and in a confidence in someone we can't even see, but yet is, uh, he is a reality, Jesus Christ, and he is alive, and you can't actually have a relationship with a God you can't see through what Jesus has done. And so um, the proper response is faith to this. And once the tomb was found empty, it was unexplainable. Uh, you know, the women are there, the angel is there, and they're told that, that Jesus is not there, that he has risen, as he said. Uh, I love that little phrase because then you know that, you know, Jesus did what he said he was going to do. And he always does what he said he's going to do. And, and you and I, we may fail each other in keeping our promises, but Jesus will never fail you. You can trust him. Um, you can trust him completely. And so um, the question for them at that first uh, Easter Sunday would be, would they have faith that Jesus was indeed alive? I mean, because there was that time period between when they were told he was alive and when they actually saw him, right? Um, when faith for them became sight, would they believe it? Now, for us, though, uh, the question is, will we believe the resurrection? Will we believe it? Um, uh, there has, you know, this has really been the defining question for over 2,000 years. Um, because if you, can, if you can disprove the resurrection, then we're wasting our time. Um, I suppose we're, it'd be okay in that we're being good people, but that's not the point, right? Because our Our faith rests on the resurrection, totally. And so, uh, do we trust the resurrection? Do we believe that the power of God raised Jesus then and 
can make us new now. You know, do you believe that not only did Jesus raise from the dead, proving that he had accomplished what he set out to do, which was to die for our sins, but also because he is raised to new life, the Bible says now we too can be raised to new life. Uh, not only a future resurrection of our dead bodies when, when these old bodies run down, but, but also just a new life now, a new life now. Now, Paul addresses this question of, of how, what's a proper response to, um, to the resurrection. He wants to make it clear what that would be. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 10 in verse 9. He says, because if you, can, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that a great truth? I mean, it's a simple thing, actually. Um, because he says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you're going to confess Jesus as Lord, it means you, you see him as the proper authority over your life. Right? You call it, I mean, we don't really use those terms anymore, Lord, but that would be a position of authority. And so if I confess Jesus as Lord, I'm saying he is the Lord uh, of all, and certainly that includes me. He's the Lord of me and my life. And um, in, in that you're, you're you're making a declaration. So when he says, if we confess with your mouth, this is not just some, some words that we mouth, right? In fact, in another place in Scripture, Paul tells us that no one can really say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Right? No one can say those words and really mean it unless the Holy Spirit has worked in their heart. Right? And so this is, this is part of... of our response to the resurrection. I mean, can you imagine being the women there? They see the risen Lord. What do they do? They fall down at his feet and worship. Because you're like, the last time we saw him, they were pulling him off the cross and he was dead. He was truly dead. And so for him to raise from the dead, you realize he is who he said he was. He was God come in the flesh right? Uh, he, he is the Messiah. He's the one. Yeah, and so, so we need to also confess and acknowledge that He is Lord, and His proper place in our lives is one of authority, one who has say-so over our lives. And, you know, we love to be independent, and we raise our children to be independent, and that's in a good way, I think. You know, we want our children to be able to live apart from us and to uh, earn a living and that kind of thing. But really, what we want to see, though, is that the Lord has a proper place in all of our lives and that we are to line up unto Him and, and learn what He wants for us. How do we learn that? Well, we, we read the Scriptures. We learn what Jesus said. And, and you know, at the very end, uh, you know, if you fast forward here towards the end of Matthew 28, you get to what they call the Great Commission, right? And he tell, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, now you guys, uh, what I want you to do is 
You need to go and make disciples of all the nations, and you need to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you need to teach them everything I taught you. You need to teach them everything I taught you. And so, if you're going, if you're going to confess Jesus as Lord, then you're going to want to know what He says about how He wants us to live our lives. So it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And then it says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So it's not just an intellectual exercise. This is also something that happens in our hearts. There's a conviction there. I think that's a good word for it. You're convinced, right? Uh, It's in your heart of hearts. You know it's true. And you know, I'm not here to offer a, um, like an apologetic for the resurrection. There's lots of good information you can find, reasons to believe in the resurrection. Uh, there's, um, you know, evidence that demands a verdict by Josh McDowell, or there's uh, other, another book uh, uh, kind of by way of a, a person's story of, of, of coming to faith, and, and that is the case for Christ. Um, I mean, there's just all kinds of, I think we still have a book back here. Don't we have five reasons, right, to believe? I mean, so, and if you want one of those, you can feel free to take it. But there's, let me just say, there's, there's solid evidence, reasons to believe the resurrection is true. But at the end of the day, you take all those things together and you, by faith, uh, will need to embrace it or reject it, basically. There's no fence sitting with Jesus, Okay. Uh, now, now, if you reject it now, does it mean that a, a later point that you might not receive it? But, um, but at any moment, it's, it's one or the other. So he says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the result is that you will be saved. And saved from what? Well, saved from the penalty of your sin, right? Because it's our sin that separates us from God. Uh, the fact that we, we don't always do what is pleasing in God's sight the fact that we hurt one another, say bad things to each other, do terrible things to one another, that's sin. Uh, that's sin nature we're born with, okay? That's uh, why Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, because they sin. And uh, you'll notice, though, that they are clothed with uh, the skin of an animal when they leave, right? A death occurred, and they were covered by uh, something that some other thing had to give up its life for, right? Well, that's a picture, people, of Jesus Christ, right? He, he went up to the cross for us. He died on our, in our place, right? It was our sin. He did nothing wrong. And so, so if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved from the penalty of your sin because our sin separates us from God, right? We are, we are not born into this world in a relationship with God because of our sin. Holy God, sinful people. Something has to be done about our sin. Christ went to the cross to accomplish that, but, but that gift of forgiveness and eternal life only comes to those who by faith receive it. Okay? That's why I say, you know, the, the resurrection deserves a response. And a response, the proper response would be by faith to believe it and to receive it. Now, because the promise here is that you'll be saved. saved from, again, saved from the penalty for your sin, and then 
What comes with that, though, is new life. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I want to express to you just in a very simple way, and and some of you, I'm sure you've heard me say this before, uh, but just indulge me for a second. And that is, you know, what does it mean to put your faith in Jesus? Right now, every person in this room is exercising faith. You know how that is? You're sitting on a chair. Sitting on a chair, right? And so, and, and that's a perfect illustration of what faith is, right? Because I can say I believe the chair will hold my X number of pounds. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, not giving you that number. My doctor can tell you that number. But, uh, but you know, you, get, you can say you believe it will hold you. You can say that the construction is sound. But you're really not, it's really not exercising your faith until you really put your whole weight on it, you know. And you just, I'm trusting in this chair, truly, right? So when, so when you come to faith in Jesus, we talk about putting your faith in Jesus, right? What you're doing is you're not trusting in anything else or anyone else to make you right with God. You're, when you're trusting in the resurrection and what that all that means is you're saying, I believe it's all true. I believe that if I put my faith in it, I will be forgiven and I'm made right with God and my destiny is set by Him. You're, believe, you're trusting all of that. You're not trusting in your good works. You're not trusting in going to church to get you there or to make you right with God. None of that. I mean, going to church, reading your Bible, praying, all that's good stuff. It, it, it helps us grow spiritually, but none of that makes us right with God. Only faith in what Jesus did. That's amazing. It's faith, faith like a child, right? Some of you have kids, they're of the age that if you told, told them that the moon was made of green cheese, they would believe you. You know, they would believe because you, you're like God to them, and you certainly wouldn't tell them a lie, you know? What you say just is true, right? That's faith. It's faith in your words. And so when you put your faith in Jesus, it's like this. Like every word Jesus said is true. Everything he did was for you so that you would be made right with him, so that you could be made new. I mean, I think the point is you need to know that you need to be made new, right? You need to know that you're... You have, uh, you have sin in your life and it, it, that you need God's forgiveness. So a proper response really is this kind of faith, right? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I remember the day I did that. And not everybody has a day, and I'm not really worried about a day. But I guess the thing is, where are you now? It's, it's really about what's the state of your heart now, isn't it? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe that if you put your faith in him and what he did there on the cross, that you'll be made new, that you'll be forgiven? Do you believe? You know, that's it. What do you believe right now? If, you, if you've never put your faith in him, why not today? I mean, wouldn't it be great to have a spiritual birthday as the day Jesus rose from the dead? But, uh, but you know, I, and, I, and I, I just encourage you to say that's the proper response because when you understand uh, what happened that day, 
and what Jesus is offering, you would just, it'd be like, you know, it'd be like Peter when they were washing their feet. No, don't just wash my feet. Just wash my whole body. Give it to me. Give me the whole thing, you know? When you get it, when you kind of understand it all. Now, what's interesting is, um, you know, so once you put your faith, you transfer your faith to whatever you are trusting in to possibly make you right with God, which so many people, it's good works. It's really a common thing, right, for people to believe that uh, if my good outweighs my bad, then I will be acceptable to God on the the day of judgment. or That's just not how it works. It really has to do with, uh, do you have a relationship with God through Jesus? Have you believed in Jesus and all that he did for you? Have you put your faith in him? So when, when you do that, let me just talk to you about some of the ways, a few of the ways that we are made new. We keep, I keep talking about being made new, right? And this, the whole point of this series is that we are made new. And, and listen to uh, what the Apostle Paul says here, um, that we're, what happens to us, okay? What happens to us when you put your faith in Jesus. So trusting Jesus to take the old and make it new. He says, therefore, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, okay, now you got to just stop right there. Isn't it great that, that there is no qualifiers? It's like anyone. Because some people say, well, you know, God couldn't forgive what I've done. Right? You, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. Well, God does, and he says, if anyone. And, you know, don't argue with God, you're going to lose. Okay, because God, if God says, if anyone, if anyone will put their faith in him, he says, if anyone is in Christ, now that, that little two-word thing, in Christ, might be new to some people. To be in Christ just simply means to be saved. If you're in Christ, you've put your faith in Jesus, like I was demonstrating. You're in Christ. Once you put your faith in him, you are in Christ. And so Paul, so many times in his letters that he wrote to the churches, uses these phrases, in Christ, in him. And so anytime you see that, and that's talking about a Christian, a person who has a relationship with the living God through Jesus. So he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You see, because we need a new nature. We're born with a sin nature. We need a new nature. Okay, we need a new nature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And Paul is just simply telling us uh, in these two sentences here, that when you're in Christ, you are a new creation, right? And now, a process begins. So, you know, this is interesting, and I don't have all of the verses in front of me, but if you do a little study on the word sanctified, you'll find out that, that there, is, there are verses that talk about, like, sanctified means set apart, made holy, Okay is that when you, when you become a Christian, you, there, there is a, uh, there, the fact that you are sanctified, like there's a completed aspect to it when you believe, right? And so you are made new. You are set apart, right? Um, and then there's also a word like that, sanctified, that means you're in process, right? Uh, like, you know, God's, God, I'm made new and he's making me new. Do you get that? That's important because, you know, some people when they hear like, you could be made new. They're like thinking that when they walk out the door of the church that day, that immediately everything is now totally holy 
uh, and righteous in their life in terms of how they act. And that, uh, at least from my experience, is not true. But, but the thing is that we are made new and we are being made new, but it's all the power of God working in a heart who is convinced that the resurrection is true, who has put their faith in Jesus totally, made new. I mean, we could probably stand up here and have people come up and just share in the mic how God's made them new. Some people would say, man, you know, it's been a struggle, but I'm free from alcohol. They say, I was addicted and now I'm free. Other people would say, you know, hey, I was addicted to pornography. I'm free from that. Yes, it took a while, but I'm free from that. Others would say, I had a real big anger problem, and I still struggle at times, but man, it's so much better than it used to be. And it's all for Je- because of Jesus. It's all because they put their faith in Jesus, and he has made them new. So and if you have any kind of a story like that today, you should be thanking God, right? And if you don't, then maybe the Lord is saying, listen, this could, be, this could be yours. You know, I can make you new. Do you not see that I love you and gave my life up for you? Now, so let's look at some of these ways that we're made new. Uh, I've got just several. I don't have them up on the screen. But uh, one of them is, you know, when you confess that Jesus is risen, and we put our faith in him, here's one thing that happens. We get a new relationship with God. We get a new relationship with God. Um, You can write this down, Ephesians 2.13. Here's what it says in Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, remember what we said in Christ Jesus means? Because Because when you're saved, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, again, nobody has a a relationship with God when they come into this world. We're far off from God. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross, because of the resurrection, we we now have new life and a new relationship with God. And um, why he does that, I don't know. (laughs) It's his love, right? I mean, because you think about it. Uh, We don't deserve it. None of us deserves that. But God, in his love and mercy, he, he, he loved us, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Um, so you have a new relationship with God, and that's just it. You need to think about it as a relationship, okay? And he wants to spend time with you in his word, in prayer. It's a relationship. It's, it grows just like any relationship, but a unique one because it's with God. And that, have you ever thought about that he would care about what's going on in your life? That you could pour out to your heart to him about what's happening in your life? And, and he's listening, and he's hearing, and he's also speaking it to you through his word, through his spirit. And that's a relationship. And um, you need to understand that. This is about a relationship with the living God. This is what happens when he makes us new. The second thing is that when, when you... Believe in the resurrection, right? Just like that Romans 10, 9 says, right? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, here's what's going to be true. Here's how you're made new. You have a new power for living your life, a new power. Acts 1, 8, right there when the, the Spirit of God was uh, 
was going to be poured out on the church there. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Of course, this was proclaimed to the, the first century believers, right? As God was going to pour out his spirit on the church. And ever since then, anyone who, who transfers their trust to Christ and who is in Christ, now they get the Holy Spirit who helps them live their lives um, the way God wants them to live. So you've got a power now. Um, that's available to you. And it's not a force, actually. It's a person, right? It, um, the Holy Spirit, sometimes we, uh, some people think of it as a, as a force. No, it's not, it's not a force, like the force we'd be with you. No, it's, it's, it's the Holy... He's a person, right? How do, how do we... How, we know that. Well, this is interesting because in the Bible, it tells us that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, you, you can't grieve in some inanimate object. You can grieve a person, right? So, so just think about, I mean, I know this is like, woo, mystery, right? I mean, this is, um, but the Bible tells us that. The Spirit comes to live inside of us, and we have a power now to live the new life. We need it. We definitely need it. And you know what else we get? We get a new identity. Oh, no, I didn't say that. Well, I mean, that is true, but I don't have that verse down here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, can we edit that? No. Um, you, you do actually do get a new identity. I don't have the scripture for that. I was going to say, we have a new destiny, okay? Come back next week for a new identity. <laughs> Isn't it great to know not everything's scripted up here? Um, but we, we get a new destiny. And here's the verse for that. Philippians 3, 18 to 20. Philippians 3, 18 to 20 says, For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So Paul's saying that there are some people living there where they're at in Philippi that are enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, their end is in destruction, their God is their belly, and, their glory in, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So he's painting this picture in verses 18 and 19 of, of people who are, who are not um, in Christ, who are not believers, who are against Christ, and um, whose minds are set on this world, not on the things of God. But here's the contrast in verse 20. But our citizenship, maybe it is a new identity. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, do you get that? So your identity, okay, yeah, maybe you're a U.S. citizen, but more important than that is that you be a citizen of heaven, okay? That's what really matters, okay? That you have a relationship with the living God through Jesus, and you're a citizen of heaven. Because when you, when you are made new by putting your faith in Jesus, you automatically become a citizen of heaven. That's your destiny. That's our home. Right? That's when Paul, he describes in one of his letters, he talks about how it's so much better, so much, we'd be so much better to be at, uh, absent from the body and present with the Lord. But his heart is for the believers there. And he says, you know, I got, you know these are my words, uh, summary of what he said. He said, but, but I guess I'll hang out with you guys because it'll be better for you. Because he, he was thinking about, you know, 
I want to continue to pour my life out for you. I want to continue to uh, love on you and show you the love of Jesus and what he wants for your life. But he kept talking about how, you know, I'd rather be there. I'd rather be there because that's my home. That's my home. Like, we're, we're just traveling campers down here in these little tents they call bodies, right? Um, and and that's, that's really something to look forward to as your body falls apart. I'm just saying, as a man who has a new knee right now, it's not as good as the, as the actual knee I was born with. I'm telling you, God does it way better, okay? But that, we are citizens of heaven. So we get a new destiny. And the last thing that I'll mention in terms of what, what, uh, what we gain, if you will, um, when we put our faith in Jesus is we get a new purpose, a new purpose. Have you ever wondered why you're here? Why you're here? Those are some of the larger questions of life, right? That people ask, you know, what am I here for? Well, let me tell you what, when you come to know Christ, <clears throat> here's the purpose. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. So think about this. God created you. Okay, let's just get, I mean, okay, we can't go all the way back to Genesis here. We don't have time for all that. But listen, you're not just some conglomeration of cells that just crawled out of some primordial soup. Okay, you were created. You, let me say, every birth is a miracle. It's amazing, amazing. Okay, and so God created you. Read Psalm 139. He knit you together, your unformed substance, it says, in your mother's womb. That's amazing. So God knew you before you ever took a breath. And he has designed you. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, he didn't know what he was doing when he made me, you know. I mean, no. Resist that temptation because he knows all your flaws and still sets his affections on you, doesn't he? I mean, that's amazing. And so, listen, flaws and all, God made you, and he made you with a purpose. Isn't that what workmanship is? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God's got a job for you to do. I don't know what it is. He didn't tell me, okay? But he's got a job for you to do where you live, work, and play. He's got, a, he's got stuff for you to do. And so when you come to Jesus and you put your faith in him and he makes you new, you've got a new purpose now. It's like, you know, it really is like the Blues Brothers. What did the Blues Brothers say? We're on a mission for God. Okay? All right, watch the movie. Figure it out. You know? <laughs> We're on a mission for God. So, you know, don't go around telling people we're on a mission for God. They're probably going to lock you up. But, but you really are. If you, if you realize you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, then you can walk into that classroom, you can walk into that break room, you can shop, you can whatever it is, and you've got to be thinking, I'm on a mission from God. He wants to use me somehow, in some way to bless somebody, to encourage somebody, to witness to somebody. I don't know what it is. That's why he gave you the Spirit. That's why he gave you his Word, so that he can, he can equip you, right? And so that when you're out and about, 
you can realize, man, I got a purpose. I have a purpose. Know that you have a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. He made you new. Isn't that good news? It's good news. So, Easter is the proof of the power of God. And I just, you know, today, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is alive and he wants to work in you in your life, would you invite him in to yours? Um, That, again, like I said, putting your faith in Jesus, that's what it is. Um, It's not a magical prayer to pray. It's just telling God your heartfelt desire that you want to know him. You want to be forgiven. You want to to be made new, like he says. And you put your faith in him. And you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him. You do that. And you'll experience this new life we're talking about. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for the resurrection. Thank you so much that Jesus rose from the dead. He not only appeared to these two women, but he appeared to a number of the different disciples, and it says and at 500 people at, at least at one time. So there were many post-resurrection appearances. And since that day, Jesus has been making people new every day. And God, for those of us who are in Christ, who have put our faith in Jesus, and we believe in the resurrection, we know Jesus is Lord. We're convinced of it. Lord, we, we give you praise today. We thank you for making us new. Thank you that you will finish what you started, as it says in the Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work, he will bring it to completion. That remodeling of our lives will be all completed one day. Lord, for those who are seeking, Lord, would you help them to see Jesus for who he is? Would you help them to see that he loves them and he demonstrated that love on the cross? that He wants them to know this new life that they were created for, that they would put their faith in Him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.